0: Today we begin the journey to the cross. It's a story that actually begins in John chapter 11, where Jesus is at Bethany, at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and Lazarus has died, and whenever Jesus gets to their home, Jesus is moved with compassion, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And all the religious people who were there, the scribes and the Pharisees, they looked at this event and they said, we can't have this. If this Jesus keeps doing things like this, we're going to lose our power. So we have to get rid of Him. And don't miss the irony there that because Jesus is creating and restoring and giving life, They want to take his life. And so Jesus escapes from the crowd. He leaves Bethany for a while to prepare himself for what he knows is going to happen in Jerusalem. Where he will die not just for my sin and your sin, but he will die for the sin of the world. And today, Jesus starts that march to the cross. And it's a path that leads one more time through Bethany. And Jesus one more time goes to the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And we're told that in John chapter 12, that this story takes place six days before Passover. So that means that in five days, Jesus will die. Because in John... Jesus dies when the Passover lambs are slain. So this story that we read today is the first event of what we call the passion narrative. This is the beginning of Jesus' journey to His death. And now that you have your Bible open to John chapter 12, let's read verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover... And Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet He used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus hosted dinner for Jesus. Lazarus eats with Jesus, Martha serves the food to Jesus, and Mary anoints Jesus. And Judas is also there to hint at the coming darkness. Now, proper etiquette and the way that you behave at ancient banquets would call for the guest's feet to be washed. You know this because at the Last Supper, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. But it was also a common custom to provide perfumes to anoint the head. And Mary has this really expensive perfume. But instead of anointing Jesus' head, she anoints his feet. And then she wipes perfume off with her hair. And this isn't ordinary. But again, this isn't an ordinary story because this isn't an ordinary scene because this starts Jesus' march to the cross and Mary anoints his feet to bless the path that he's going to walk. The path to the cross. The path to her salvation and not just her salvation, the salvation of the world. But Judas is also there. And he ungraciously questions this act as wasteful. And Jesus silences him by saying that money can be given to the poor at any time. But a kindness done to him must be done now because soon the chance will be gone forever. Now, you've heard me say that As you read the Bible, you're meant to ask questions, and you're meant to use reason and logic, and you're meant to also see yourself in the story of the Bible. So you're meant to question, who am I in this scene? What am I supposed to learn from this? So in this scene, let's look at Mary and Judas and see which one is actually closer to us. Let's start with Mary. Because above all, Mary loves Jesus. And by looking at her, we can find out some things about love. Love can be extravagant. Mary took the most precious thing that she had, and she used it all on Jesus. There's also humility. You know Psalm 23, it says, You anoint my head with oil. To anoint someone's head was to present that person with an honor, to bestow some blessing upon them. But Mary, she's humble. She's too humble to think that she can give any kind of honor to Jesus. So she kneels down and humbles herself and anoints the feet of Jesus. And then Mary wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. And what's this about In Palestine, no respectable woman would ever appear in public with her hair down. On the day a girl was married, her long hair was bound up, and never again would she be seen in public with her long hair loose. But Mary's not thinking about what society expects from her. And what we see in this scene is that so often we are so self conscious. About the way that we look and what we do and how we dress and how we talk, and what other people think about us, but this scene is beautiful. Because Mary is so unself-conscious, because she's so in love with Jesus that what other people matter, it just fades into the background. It doesn't matter anymore. And also, as you look at your Bible, you see that this is John chapter 12. If you go back to John chapter 6, you'll see that Jesus knew Judas was a traitor. But Jesus kept that traitor around. Why? Maybe Jesus was trying to touch Judas's heart. Maybe he was trying to appeal to his sense of honor and worth by giving him the position of treasurer. Maybe Jesus was really saying, Judas, here's something you can do for me. Here's how you can help me. Here's proof, here's evidence that I need you, that I want you in my kingdom. So this means that we learn something from Jesus here that the best way to reclaim someone who's on the wrong path is not to treat them with suspicion and judgment, but to trust them. We should treat people like we expect the best out of them, not the worst. And we also learn something about temptation. Why do you think Jesus put Judas in charge of the money bag? Judas probably had a gift for handling money. And one person said, temptation commonly comes through that for which we're naturally fitted. So to summarize that, he says that temptation often comes through our strengths. Judas had this gift for handling money. And he became so fond of it that at first, he became a thief. And then a traitor. Temptation struck him at the point of his gift. Temptation struck him at the point of his strength. In literature, we call this a tragic flaw. What that means simply is that the best thing about you is also the worst. So what I mean is that your strength can lead to your downfall. That's what we see in Judas' And go back to Proverbs. How did Proverbs put it? Pride goes before a fall. And so also, don't miss this. We don't all see this world the same way. Judas saw what Mary did. Judas saw Mary anoint the feet of Jesus. We see this as an act of love. But what does Judas call it? Extravagant waste. So what does this show us? That what you see depends on what's inside of you. Judas was a bitter man. And he took a bitter view of things. Barclay said, A warped mind brings a warped view of things. So the life lesson that we take from this is, if we ever find ourselves becoming very critical of others and we start putting unworthy motives to their actions then we need to step back for a moment and stop critically examining them and examine our own heart so this act of Mary is an act of faith that Faith has given her insight into the meaning of Jesus' ministry. But this insight doesn't lead her to thinking that she's better or that she's smarter. No. She's a servant. That this anointing is an act of service. So the hard truth, the difficult truth, the truth that's really hard for us to hear is that in almost every religious group, there's a Mary. Mary. And a Judas. And the Judas of the group is usually the one whose words are loud and forceful and theologically impressive, but his true intentions are vain and selfish. The Mary of the group is the one who serves through acts of love and charity. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.